you're, you're gonna have to cut that out. Cut what out? Uh huh. Do you think we should start with the David Bowie changes song? No. Because it's like changes in your body. No. Uh, maybe. No. Think about it. We'll we'll edit it. We'll edit it and put it in. I'm pretty would sure we you, have to get like permission in order to do that. You, I know him. It's fine. You know David Bowie. Yeah. Would you prefer my neighbor? Okay. That or the Megan the Stallion song oh, Body. I know you like that one. Um, I've never heard that no. one. Yes, you I imagine have. Imagine it's real spicy. You've heard it, and no. 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 <laughs> so which no. one would you prefer, though? None. Uh, it's okay. We don't need what intro if, music. What if that one was? What if we had Megan the Stallion? As our intro music. I think we may lose some followers. And gain different But then types. maybe gain some, Ooh. thinking that it may be not a fitness podcast, but something else. Have you ever listened to Megan the Stallion while you work out, since you are like willing to listen to Disney music? I'm I have... almost certainly not. I'd rather <laughs> listen to Silence. <laughs> listen to Silence. You can't listen to Silence at the Metro, because they always play crazy weird music. There's Anagata Vita on today, which tremendous. Oh, boy. <laughs> better than Disney. I've never listened to Disney music while working out. That's almost what about country? not true. No, I can't do country music while I work out. What about classical? No. Like, op- you know what I mean? Like, no, opera- it's like, like classical, like, when you put on 101.1, yeah. it's classical, or is it like... Rocky soundtrack classical. They're both technically classical, but one, you know, you're punching walls. No, I mean like, like symphony. Don't classical. punch walls. You don't. You don't know. You've never seen the Rocky movies. You I, don't yes. know about the music. I... Which one's your favorite? I already know. Which Rocky, there's only yeah. There's, only, there's only one. Four. That, yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's, they're all really good. The first one that won an Academy Award. It's an unbelievable movie, but it's a little slow. And four is the one of the greatest sports movies of all time. It's unbelievable. Five is pretty good. Two, three, four, and five are great. What about uh, like Creed? Uh, uh, I don't know. I like both. I like the second one because of the tie-in to four more. Because you know what I mean. What did you think? The first one was pretty good, but you want to see Victor Drago because he's going to be a savage. Yeah. yeah. Is that your favorite sports... What's your favorite sports movie of all time? Oh, it's because I would guess I that your favorite movie in general is probably 300. Yeah. So... Both of them. Yeah. We'd think of series. Could What if they made a, like a disc or they found something on Netflix where it's just one into the other? Like, it's like a four-hour-long movie, I'd and it's it. the first 300 straight into the second one. I'd lose four hours of <laughs> the rest of the day. Uh, I mean, we have both DVDs. Yeah, but, so that's we could on, just, but there's just like a pause. It's pop just one out like, and pop the other one in. It's not a, it's not a big deal. Pause. It's not a big deal. Uh, Rocky Four is really good. Rudy's a great movie. Mm, it's hard because you know you're going to leave some out. Um I know Amanda will say, like, The Sandlot or whatever. Oh, yeah, some weirdo. <laughs> uh, there are other movies that I liked at the time, but nothing compares to, like, the timelessness of Rocky IV. There's other good sports movies, but nothing's like that. Unbelievable. It encompasses, like, everything, especially if you're not, like, 
super genetically gifted, those movies, and, and you're not terribly athletic, encompass, that's why they're so popular, because they basically encompass that story of like not actually being very good at what you do. Like, Rocky wasn't actually very good. He got destroyed. You know, like, Apollo Creed was so much better of a boxer than him. So much better. It was so obvious. But he was just, like, a savage and just, like, a tough guy. And I think people love that idea of, like, just outworking someone who's far more talented than you um, and, and winning, basically. Timeless. Do you consider Pumping Iron a oh. sports movie or, like, a documentary? Mm, what do you think? Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's both. I mean, it's both, I guess. Do you like Pumping Maybe. Iron more than Rocky IV? Um, no, but they're different. Like, I'd, I, 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 don't I don't know. I don't know that you could it's put them side by side. Yeah. Oh, I like them both. But still probably Rocky IV. Pumping Iron's up there, though. You just recently saw Pumping Iron for the well, it first time. It took us forever to find a way to watch <laughs> it because they took it off of Netflix. What did you think about it? I mean, it was it was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Would you say that like Arnold Schwarzenegger's physique then in whatever the the nineteen seventy five Olympia is like the ideal male body? Good question. Oh. As opposed to uh, Chris Bumstead now. Chris oh, Bumstead. No! <laughs> Chris Bumstead, oh, twenty twenty, so or Arnold Schwarzenegger, nineteen seventy five. Like someone who's supposed to be like the classic physique versus uh, like the guy who's who carries the standard now. Now, so, well, I'd say it, if you don't know who Chris Bumstead is, look, just oh. pause this and look it up. Yes. You will not be disappointed. He's <laughs> a good-looking guy. Either way, if you are a male or a female, He's you will handsome. not be disappointed. Um, I think I would have to take Arnold, like because don't you asked me for my opinion? You can't be all judgmental yeah. about it. Jesus. Chris Bumstead's physique is so much better. Chris Bumstead would crush Arnold Schwarzenegger now. Potentially, yeah. I have but, that poster you got me. And he doesn't, like, he, like, looks good, but, like, compared to bodybuilders or physique competitors now, he doesn't, like... He still looks amazing. And it goes back to when, like, symmetry mattered. So, like, from left to right, top to bottom, like, you don't perfection. Think, you don't think Chris Bumstead is symmetrical? Uh, no, there's a few imbalances there. Would you say that you're pretty symmetrical? There's still... There's... No, I'm not. You, uh, uh, they still are judged on symmetry and balance. I'd say it's pretty uh, yes, special. Yes, but not, not like it was then. Like, if you. It was a bigger deduction at that point in time. That was the entire goal at that point, was to be symmetrical. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. How many of these things have we watched? <laughs> uh, maybe. You also compete in a class where you're not supposed to be balanced. You're supposed to be symmetrical, side to side, but not balanced, top to bottom. Really? Uh, no, that's not true either. Because if I had a weird, like, small upper body, but, like, ginormous legs, that would not be visually appealing. Well, there's a limit, but that, but the whole, like, idea of the class is to be, I think, like, lower body dominant to a certain extent. If you look at the, like, and, girls who win, they're lower body dominant. 
Yes, but they're balanced. Their upper body matches their lower body. I don't you mean like can't... totally out of balance, but it's like naturally. <laughs> it's not. It's not the same as like uh, men's open bodybuilder or even bikini, where they're like really balanced, right? Like they don't have body parts that really are, are considerably more muscular. Theoretically, they shouldn't than the other. You know, you don't agree. I, I don't. You we're can, like, we're you... like, oh. All okay. Right. So, uh, who, so, so Arnold Schwarzenegger not, over but, Chris Bumstead. No, they're, but they're we're talking about the ideal male physique, not in like a not in like state. You know, you're not like gentleman quarter turn to the right. You're just like see him on the beach. Yeah. Still Arnold. Yes. Arnold in right. his prime, one hundred percent. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I disagree on I completely one. disagree. <laughs> but you asked my opinion, so that's it. That's my opinion. It's funny how the whole thing, like just like all sports, that sport has changed over time. And yeah. you can see it, like even though we're not we weren't there and we're not judges, uh, you can just visually see it. It's the evolution. Like you can see NFL football players have changed. You yeah. don't have to have played football for a long time to understand that they're fundamentally very different than they were in the 70s or 80s or even to a certain extent 90s yeah they're just way different very very much so well that was a fun segue into getting into our topic of the day which is body composition change and accepting and understanding body composition change so you're coming off of a show yes uh one week ago yes and so help people understand what you go through after something like that. And so what your body composition looks like going in and how you feel about it and then coming out, sort of what happens. Does it stay the same? Does it get better? Does it get worse? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously this was the third show that I've done uh, since December. Um, And in each show, obviously the goal was to be to bring a better physique uh the last show being my best physique to date um probably the leanest i've been in i don't know seven or eight years this past one the one the, was this week, past yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah um and so obviously like that's great you're living the life but I, that unfortunately is just not sustainable like it's not good for my body or for anyone to be what we refer to as like stage lean year round. Like that's just, it's not realistic. You like, you have a goal for show day to look a certain way. Um, but in terms of like just your overall health and your nutrition, um, it's just not realistic to maintain that for any given period of time. Um, especially if we're looking at the health side of things. And so, uh, this week diet completely changed, um, in that I was allowed to eat more. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, by the middle of the week, I was up nine pounds from last Saturday and that's not uncommon. And obviously I didn't gain nine pounds of fat, uh, in that time, I gained nine pounds of muscle. Yeah, exactly. I wish. Um, no, but, and so some of that obviously is water weight and everything will kind of level out. Um, but it is, it is scary. It is 
very weird to watch your body change day over day and see uh, all the hard work uh, that went into last Saturday kind of disappear. Um, but it's, again, it's only temporary, right? Like this stage that I'm at right now, this kind of fluctuation, um, it'll all level out and I'll settle into a, a different stage than what I was pre-September, um, but not where I was last Saturday. So a couple interesting things there. I think a lot of people would be stricken by the fact that maybe they just don't realize that, that competitive physique athletes don't hold their shape all year. Number one, because you really can't. Um, just in terms of general health, like there's no way you could do that and maintain good health, uh, but nor would you really want to. It's like a inherently unsustainable position you're in, and that's an accepted part of the sport. Um, and I think, unfortunately, this is misunderstood because in the age of social media, uh, it appears or it can appear that social media influencers look what we would sort of refer to as stage lean all the time and so there are some popular ones within even our part of the fitness space that appear that will stage lean all the time almost to the point where you're like this cat doesn't look super healthy like he looks like he's lost muscle mass um, but in many cases those people aren't that way the whole year they just take lots and lots of pictures and make lots and lots of videos when they are and they they uh, post them throughout the year so it appears they're always that way uh, but obviously to the consumer of that information it just looks like they are and that that's something to aspire to whereas in reality it's like effectively almost impossible right and obviously to a certain extent for me because the goal is to compete again and to compete on a national stage um it my goal is to stay leaner than where i was when i initially started prep in september so that then when it comes time for me to enter prep again it's not as hard uh, as it has been over the last several months. Um, but again, to do that in a healthy, sustainable way. Yeah. Well, it makes sense just for your long-term sort of longevity in the sport, right? If your health doesn't hold up, you won't be able to continue to do it. Right. But also just in terms of general sustainability. And I th it's the overarching reason we're making this episode is we want people to understand that like all of this even if it's unsustainable in certain moments the the long-term broader picture has to be sustainable or you just won't be able to do it okay. so let's switch gear so lots of weight gain in, initially a lot of it water some of it just glycogen going back in your muscles um and now you're just going to kind of stay steady where you are and so what does that look like so you went in, right now you're going to have a period of not preparing for a competition. You need a break, both mentally and physically. So what does that look like to maintain kind of your current shape right now until it's time to go back down the rabbit's hole? And, and you know, quite frankly, prepare for a, like your the biggest competition you'll have been in and the most competitive. For sure. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, it, it's, it's that. It's entering into like a maintenance phase. Um, so obviously when we talk about nutrition, um, we talk about cuts are temporary. Um, they're meant to be, be just that. Um, 
and then uh, I'll find a new new maintenance for me, right? So finding a position where I can stay at roughly about five pounds of where I am now, higher or lower, um, in terms of my nutrition and eating to sustain that. Um, and so not going like bananas and eating cakes and cookies and all that kind of crazy stuff day in and day out. Um, but having some relief and some room to play around with as as needed um, but just staying focused and dialed in on my nutrition as if I were in prep um, because at the end of the day it's important right and if I go bananas then it's it's only going to make things harder for me later on down the road yeah you just dig yourself a deeper hole potentially a hole that you can't get out of right like you get to the point where you actually can't get in good enough shape we are competitive at a, a national show. Like right. you're just looking at it like that's maybe not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of exercise, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll roll into some kind of strength cycle or if I'll just stick with hypertrophy. I hope hypertrophy is where I kind of hang out. I enjoy that a little bit more than strength cycle. Um, but at the same time, I also haven't done strength in a while, so I wouldn't be mad at pushing to see if I can hit that 300 pound squat that I've been itching for for a little while now. I think, you know, from the like the straight data perspective, it makes sense for you to have a period of low volume work. Yeah. So you could look at that as strength work. My guess is that's what you'll have is low volume, maybe a little slightly more strength focused work just because you're not going to make Body composition changes when you're sitting at maintenance. Right. At, at yeah. your point, anyway. Right. And uh, that can just keep things fresh and interesting. For you know sure. what I mean? Like, even if you don't enjoy, if it's not as exciting or you don't enjoy it as much as hypertrophy, it can still keep things. Uh, you know, you're excited to get back to hypertrophy as opposed to running hypertrophy so hard for three years and then you're like, eh, this is not quite so fun. Yeah. Do you want to ask me some questions about my body composition change? Uh, <laughs> how much longer is this going to be? <laughs> well, I think it's it's perfect, right? Because while you were going down, I was not going down. We're, yeah. All three of us are, or were, I guess, in each of the three states. Yeah, and I think that, that obviously, and we talk about this often, is, is how it can be difficult to manage um, if someone in the in your family is not where you are or not doing what you are doing or doesn't quite understand what you're doing. Um, but obviously over the last several months, we've all been kind of in different positions uh, in terms of cutting and maintenance and massing. Um, and I think we've done really well in kind of being able to do what we do uh, together. And so I think now making that transition to where I'll get into maintenance and you'll get to enter into a cut. Yay. Yeah, well, why don't we talk, why don't we reverse? So we can talk a little bit about how we balanced three people being in three different dietary phases, but why don't we give people a sense of where everybody was? So I'll let you kind of lead the questions and then I'll answer in terms of what I was doing and then what I'm going to do. So was. then you just asked yourself the questions? 
So what? So what? Are, what I have get, you been doing? And to, where are it. you going I'm from to here? You with the questions. <laughs> I got it. You're looking at me, so, like I'm saying to them, and you're in Chinese. No, <laughs> you, but you just asked your. You just Jesus. asked me the questions. You just told me the questions you want me to ask you. Well, ask me slightly different ones. My, uh, yours are probably it's, it's like uh, Socratic seminars or whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm going to lead you down the path. I'm going to lay out some breadcrumbs. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm not Hansel and Gretel. I'm okay. I can I can make my way. I had a teacher in seventh grade who, like, on the first day, his name is Bob Klein. Maybe he's listening to this. Big Bob Klein, sure. <laughs> Maybe. Like, what did he teach you? Uh, like, seventh grade science, so effectively nothing. Um... <laughs> molecules and he was like the first day he was like we're gonna do a lot of socratic seminars and i was like every seventh grader just like looks right through him and then we never did a single one <laughs> they're he hard to like, do he was like he was like i'm all about like this that that method and then there's no we that, that wasn't the it. method he employed the yeah. socratic method is i loved it when i was teaching the reality is it requires uh, a very very motivated student because you have to come to class prepared with a certain level of background knowledge for it to actually work. <laughs> and you have to be very, very introspective. Otherwise, you're just getting a lot of blank stares. And you go, all right, let me just write it down. Let me just put it on the board here and explain it to you, lay out how it is. So, all right, anyway. So anyways, <laughs> since she was in, uh, since she was eating cardboard and ice cubes, you were on the opposite end eating ice cubes and ground up cardboard, basically. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so what were you doing while she was in the cut of her life so far? So we were like ships passing. One ship was going one way. The other ship was going the other way. So while Amanda was improving her body composition visually, uh, you could look at massing is making your body composition visually worse for a limited period of time with the goal or the hope of long-term body composition improvement. So effectively what you have to do is eat at a controlled caloric surplus. And so that's what I've been doing uh, for at this point in the last 16, 17 weeks. Um, so when you do that, that's when you reach a certain point in terms of your training age, that's really the only way you can efficiently grow muscle is you have to be in a caloric surplus. You don't just grow muscle. Uh, the majority of what you accumulate is fat. And so basically you get fatter and fatter and fatter over time. You look actually progressively, in many cases, progressively worse over a time. And so you have to use some other barometers to try to ensure that you're actually moving in the direction you want to. You reach a certain point where, and that's where I am now, where my body is pretty desensitized to hypertrophy training. It needs a, a different kind of stimulus, so it can be sensitive to that again. I've reached a level of body fat where it's time kind of for me to start to take it down both for visual appearance and to create more runway to do more massing, basically. Um, so uh, that's kind of what I've been doing. So let's let's kind of break that down a little bit um, yeah. in terms of uh, have you just been living your best life at, like, Wendy's every day uh, and Condado's every night? Like, what, what when you're eating in a surplus... Uh, 
how have you managed manage doing that in an appropriate and healthy way? So that's an excellent clarification question. And this is one of the ways that we were able to be in three different dietary phases um, actually very easily is what I eat does not change uh, for the most part in regardless of the dietary phase. So I eat basically the same stuff, whether I'm trying to cut, maintain, or or gain lean muscle. The only exceptions to that would be at some level you get more f- daily fat uh, when you're gaining because it's just that's an easy way to grab calories. Um, <clears throat> so I'll have maybe some added fat sources in my diet like peanut butter or things like that. Whole eggs are really those are really my two big go-tos for added fat. Um, but basically, so when I switch to the other phase, I just either lessen the amount of those or take them out entirely. Um, but other than that, we would just sit at the dinner table and have sort of three different versions or three different amounts of the same stuff. Yeah, I was gonna, you guys took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that everything is effectively the same. It's just three different amounts. Yeah. Obviously, partially dependent on gender and body weight and composition, but also face. Yeah, and I think that's a, a good delineation there is obviously the three of us, even if we were all in maintenance, right, we would not all be eating the same amount of food because obviously maintenance for the three of us are very different, um, both in terms of age, but also in gender um, and our just body weight naturally. Um, but eating eating the same types of food, right? So our protein sources were always the same, just different levels of it. Um, And then obviously for me being in the caloric deficit that I was in, carbs were not often on my plate like they were yours, Uh, especially at at this late in the game in terms of your rice and or potato consumption. Unbelievable, (laughs) just 500 grams at a clip, unbelievable. Uh, so I think just to f- completely answer the question you asked, it, it does not mean you just eat whatever. So I do have some leeway where if like I want to go out to dinner or something like that, I can. Whereas if you're cutting, you, you really can't. Um, if, if not, if you're not, if you're being really serious about it. But I still very rarely do those things because it throws you off plan. You're not completely on. So in the same way that if your goal is to lose fat, you really need to be you know above 95, or 90 to 95% adherence in terms of being where you need to be in terms of intake. The same applies for massing, frankly. Um, if you don't, like I don't miss meals. I didn't miss any. I ate six or seven times a day. Um, you don't have to eat that many times a day. That's just, it's more preference for me. Like four is perfectly fine, but just, I like six better. Um, and I account for everything that I eat. And then the training stimulus has to match that. So if you're going to go through all this effort and uh, tell yourself that you're going to eat to gain muscle, you, you basically have to like push yourself to the limit in the gym. Like you can't, can't go halfway. Yeah, so let's talk about that because that's obviously the other piece of this for you uh, in terms of your current training. And so you were in a hypertrophy cycle throughout the course of this entire mass. Yeah. Um, and so when you do that, like, give give the audience a little 
glimpse into what a what a day a training day looks like for you so just like um you know certainly the people we work with my volume changes week over week my weights change and my rep targets change um uh, the thing with massing is that you have sort of across the board greater capacity so the caveat to that is you basically have to hit little mini rep prs every week so you can look at it as like, yeah, you have all this food and lots of rest and all this energy, but it's like, yeah, good, because you're, you're going to beat whatever you did last week, period, and that's it, uh, or you're going to fail trying. So yeah, the, the training sessions do get pretty long and, and obviously challenging, um, and so the goal of that is to create as much stimulus as you can smartly week over week. Uh, so that, that those added nutrients that you're taking in have a purpose and somewhere to go. Right. So you're it's you're not just like celebrating that you get to eat more food, right? Like the goal in your process here is to actually gain more muscle with the understanding that there will be some fat gain associated yep. with that. But the goal is not to be like, oh, I gained 12 pounds of fat and a pound of muscle. Right. And, and, you know, the reality is other than having like your muscle biopsy, there's no super accurate way to tell that. Um, some ways are more accurate than others and some are horrible. Some are which are they're effectively without value. They're so inaccurate. Um, so what you can look at instead is you can use proxies for that are likely indicators of muscle growth. Muscle growth also isn't linear with time. So there's like a structural piece that happens in a modeling piece, and it's like sort of a delayed effect. So your numbers may be going up, but you may not physically look any different until like a few months later, a few months after the phase. And so all these things can be a little bit nebulous, especially for someone who isn't experienced with them and who doesn't have coaching feedback, because it can be very difficult to make sure that you're on track in terms of training stimulus, but even that you're doing anything as opposed to just like visually it just looks like you're getting fatter like you're you know what i mean and so you have to look at that kind of other stuff as well yeah so for me obviously coming off of a cut seeing that big increase in weight over the course of a small period of time obviously is kind of a shocker for me um but again understanding and knowing like that's just part of the process uh how has that been for you in terms of like you understand that the goal is to put on mass so you know that that scale is going to move up week over week uh and how did you kind of manage or how have you managed dealing with with that knowing the end result or your ultimate goal so the scale movement needs to be controlled and the percentage of caloric surplus that I'm in needs to also be controlled. Because if you're in too much of a surplus, you will effect effectively just gain mostly fat. It's not particularly healthy and it's not particularly productive. Conversely, if you're really, really, really nervous about getting putting on any fat at all, you can be sort of, kind of in a surplus, but it's not clear that you are, and it's not clear that you're getting anything done. So you're effectively just spinning your wheels. So the tracking and monitoring for me is making sure that I am gaining weight at a con relatively controlled rate. Um, and obviously I, I still do things in terms of daily energy ex expenditure, like get steps in and stuff like that, but it's making sure that I don't, um, 
do too much of that, that it takes away from recovery. Um, and I, that I effectively instead am using it to drive food. So like, so if I get some steps in, I basically can eat more, and but still, for the most part, maintain a, a reasonable body composition. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, the kind of takeaway for you guys that we hope that you have is that regardless of what your overall goal is, is to know that both stages can be a little scary, right? Like being in a deficit or being in a, a surplus can be scary because you're watching that scale go in one direction or the other. And you don't want to lose muscle because you're in a deficit and you don't want to gain too much fat because you're in a surplus. But the reality is, is if you're doing it in a controlled manner, then you're going to put yourself in a boat of having a higher success and that you're going to achieve your ultimate goal as opposed to doing it incorrectly and just like starving yourself or the converse eating whatever you want and then just gaining fat. Yeah, I think either way. So you have to remember that your weight change looks like a squiggly line that goes up and down constantly. And so you're not looking, you're not actually putting a lot of value into any singular weight reading you're looking for the broad trend over an extended amount of time. And so I think that can be difficult for people who are new to this process. If you're losing weight, you see a little, you know, a day where you have a little bit of a jump and it might be a hormonal thing. It might be you're just carrying some water, et cetera. You might've just worked out hard and you're retaining a little bit of water because of that. Um, and same thing with what you're gaining. You can have a period where you're down a little bit in weight. You do, the, the move is not to jack up your calories because one of your readings was, was down. It's to stay the course and use data over time to make informed decisions, um, erring on the side of being conservative. Um, and then just making sure that your training matches your goals. And I think what we're alluding to all these things, but the answer is it's like it, if you're new to this, it really makes sense to have a third party helping you. Um, and, and a lot of times that third party can just be someone who's reassuring you that you're on the right track because it can be very difficult to do this all by yourself. So why don't we switch gears and talk about, so these are the two poles of dietary phases and body composition change, right? Like one, your, your body composition gets better. You know, most people would say subjectively better. Uh, another one, your body composition gets worse if temporarily, right? So the goal isn't to mass forever. It's to mass and then cut off the fat and then mass again and then cut off the fat. And you sort of just keep doing that. You theoretically get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, but what if your goal is to not move anywhere? So why don't we turn it to Rye and talk a little bit about maintenance? Yeah, so while you two are both kind of based on body composition mine my maintenance or my phase is based generally in terms of weight um in the sense that i have a certain weight that i want to be for my upcoming powerlifting meet at the end of may so like three weeks less than three weeks out i think now um so since my last one at the beginning of february i have to be the same weight as i was then so my goal from that point until the end of May with my second meet is to hold that same that same weight or 
generally around there. So uh, I ended up running most of the past couple months, like two and a half pounds above where I need to be to weigh in. And now I'm like half a pound above. Um, but that just put me, I purposely did maintenance knowing that during a strength cycle, I'm probably not going to gain a ton of muscle because the volume isn't super high if I were to go into a mass. And then it would also be pretty counterintuitive just because I would have to basically instantly do a hard cut just to get back down to where I need to be to weigh in. Um, so yeah, I split the middle. My body composition has generally remained the same. Um, and I've felt pretty good. It's kind of enjoyable. It's enough food that it's, you don't feel like you're like dying for stuff, but then you can also still have some leeway to go out to dinner here and there, you know, have an extra fry or whatever. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's, I still see the kind of fluctuation that we were talking about. It's not just a completely straight line. Um, so there are some days where, you know, maybe I'm a couple pounds heavier or I'm a couple pounds down. Um, but I also saw the same kind of jump in the first couple weeks after my meet, um, because that was the lightest I've had been for a while. Um, so after I came off of that and went back to maintenance, there was a kind of two or three pound jump that at first it's kind of like, you know, not super fun to see, (laughs) uh, but you just understand that it'll level out. And in reality, um, you just fill back out a little bit. I don't really look much different than I did when I weighed in and I won't look much different in two weeks when I weigh in. So I think you hit on a really, a lot of good points. Number one, you compete in a weight class based strength sport. Um, and strength training generally is not a thing that's conducive to body composition change. Um, though it is important and though it, it's related, it's not, it's not where we want to be. So it'd be sensible for you to stay in maintenance. What you're alluding to, I think maybe even more importantly, say people aren't competitive strength athletes, is that, you know, do you feel like you could sit in this phase permanently? Yeah, I think I could easily like forever. And especially after that first kind of week or two after the meet, when I jumped back up a couple pounds from there, it hasn't like the deviation is literally a pound up or down if that for whatever it's been like more than 12 weeks yeah um yeah so it's it's like extremely sustainable i think that's the if we're if you're gonna the listener is gonna walk away with one take-home point it's that massing or cutting are not permanent states they are not sustainable you're not supposed to stay in them for an extended period of time. You, maintenance, however, you could stay there literally forever. That's kind of where you're supposed to be. So you can have these periods of pushing or um, you know, pushing your effectively your, your level of fat in it up or down. But then we need to have these periods where you sort of take your foot off the gas and sit it there, basically to allow your your body to physically recover, but also your mind to psychologically recover. And so that's that's a huge thing. We also need to make sure optimally, you don't have to do this, but optimally you need to sort of pair your phase of training or your style of training 
with your diet because they don't all work together very well. Strength training and being in a huge caloric surplus doesn't work very well because you're going to get fat. Like you just don't do enough volume for to create enough stimulus. And frankly, if you're trying to lose weight and you're in a you know you're a deep deep into a, a caloric deficit, and you're doing just strength training. Like you're putting yourself at risk of losing muscle, which is not good. And what, well, I was going to say that was kind of in the spot that I was in uh, last time when I was getting ready for my first meet. In the sense that I knew I had a limited amount of time to get down a significant amount of weight to make the weight class coming off of like the top of a mass. So it wasn't like four pounds. It was like 12. Um, So I was in a significant caloric deficit for basically the entire time that I was getting ready for the meet. And one, I almost definitely lost muscle. Uh, but two, compared to now, I felt I feel unbelievably different just in terms of my training. Like th- stuff that I was doing for one before is like easy three, and it's like obviously I've gotten stronger, but in reality, like I don't get that much stronger in a couple months. But just the amount of food that I'm eating is makes a huge difference. Yeah, your nutrition is supporting what you're doing. Um, and I think it's, it's also important for people to know that it also takes time for your body to figure out where maintenance is, because there are a lot of people that are eating too much and don't realize it, or people that are not eating enough and don't realize it. And so it can be scary when you try and find kind of like that homeostasis phase of your, of your weight, um, because you may feel like, oh God, I'm eating so much food but I'm only in a maintenance, like, is this really okay? And seeing this get the, the scale go up or down or, and kind of have that mini freak out. And it's like, your body just needs to adjust. And yes, if you're not realizing that you were eating in a deficit and you're not, now you're eating more, like it's okay, it's purposeful. And you will start to see some body composition changes in maintenance for the better. Like that was the very first phase that I did when I started tracking and my body composition over the course of the six months that I did it, even though my weight like fluctuated not even a half of a pound, like was crazy because my training supported what I was eating and I was eating more, but still only at maintenance. Yeah. I think the other underlying, so the two underlying things I think is that we need to use multiple data points and you can't let the scale or sometimes the mirror freak you out, right? You eat a high salt meal, you eat a, you know, a couple pieces of pizza and you get super thirsty and then the next day it looks like you've never touched a weight in your life. You look horrible, right? It's just because you're carrying a bunch of water. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Um, we also need to use the scale but not be uh, a day trader about the scale in terms of getting too high with the highs and too lows with the lows, so to speak. The other thing, and we, you know, we haven't really talked about it a whole lot as we've gone through our things, is consistency and adherence. And so, this stuff is not actually that hard to do. It isn't. It's not that hard to lose weight if you do it the right way, or you lose fat. It's not that hard to go into mass, and it's really not that hard to be in maintenance. But you have to be consistent across the board. 
You can't miss meals. Uh, you can't log some things and not others. Uh, and you can't be wildly inconsistent with your level of daily activity or your workouts. Like it, it all has to be in line. And it really, one week into the other, has to look basically the same, exactly the same. And so what I would encourage people is, you know, if, we're, if you have goals of losing fat or putting on muscle, we really need to get the underlying infrastructure in place first to support that because otherwise you're honestly just going to end up spinning your wheels and putting yourself at risk of not being successful because you don't have the support system in place to get it all done and obviously we have one another and we all kind of work three different versions of the same thing but that's that has to be in place or it just won't happen yeah, and again, I know that we we use the word consistent a lot, but that's because it is so important, um, especially if you have body composition goals. The only way you're going to see them is if you are consistent with what you are doing in terms of your training, in terms of your sleep, your hydration, and your nutrition. It all has to come together for you to progress in the way that you want to. I think that's a good spot. All right. If do you want to talk about uh, your association with measuring your nutrition intake? <laughs> measuring your nutrition intake. Yes. If you're looking for a way to do this and some a way to make it real easy for yourself, uh, there is a great app. We all use it. It's the RP Diet app. Uh, there's a link in my Instagram bio that will save you lots of money if you use that uh, to sign up with them. Tells you when to eat, how much to eat for every phase. It literally, it, it makes it automatic. It's like having a dietitian in your pocket. We can't recommend it enough. Again, you have to have some infrastructure in place um, in terms of prep and stuff like that. But it's it's really just not that hard. We have 100% success rate with people who really uh, buy, into, buy into it. What is your discount code? you got to tell the people. Well, so for the app, it's different. They have to use the link. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I have to use the link. If Watch you're, the space shuttle. If you're interested in discount codes, <laughs> I have one for you. <laughs> Yours isn't for a diet app, though. No. If you get the diet app and you're like, I am low on my protein for my 430 meal snack, if you will. Snack. I need, I need something. Core Nutritionals, code RYE, capital R, capital Y, capital E. Save yourself some money. Delicious flavors. Mix it up in a little shake. They have other stuff too. A little intra workout, maybe a little pre workout if you're trying to get a little Hyped. a little a little tingle in the face. <laughs> the tingle. Jeez. Check it out. And then with those two, you're effectively unstoppable. I think the like combination of core nutritionals products and the RP diet app. Um, is like the definition of naturally enhanced. So like if you want to look like you're on steroids, but you're not actually. You're not. Well, you're we don't, You're forgetting one other huge component to that. That, may, that takes care of the nutrition aspect of things, but then also being coached by one of the three of us. Yeah, well, that's a given. You know, yeah. then, then naturally enhanced you are. Naturally enhanced. I wish we had gotten to that name first. It's so good. <laughs> it, you know, we're joking around, but the realities are true. Uh, almost everybody we work with across the board is low in terms of protein intake. There's like four people who aren't. Um, and so because of that, most people have to turn to some form of supplementation. That's perfectly fine. We're all for it. 
hitting your number is the number one thing. And if we need to use a little bit of whey or casein protein to get there or some bars, perfectly fine within reason. Uh, and obviously, why not save yourself a couple bucks? There's no reason to pay more than you need to. So fire off those discount codes. Do it. Get yourself some coaching. If you're just moping around the gym uh, and you don't really know what the hell you're doing, if you reach out to a coach. It doesn't have to be us. Just reach out to somebody. Um, if you're in a group class setting and your strength and body composition hasn't fundamentally changed since you started, consider evolving that a little bit. Again, you don't have to reach out to us. Just reach out to somebody who's reputable and uh, move things forward. Deuces. See ya.